You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. I got my co-host Eurosimos in the house. And today we have the return of Hector Combo, who first joined us on episode 85 to discuss the rise of the technocratic age. And today we're continuing along that same kind of theme, talking about um, the implications of AI becoming more prevalent, becoming more accessible to the public, and also discerning the information war that's constantly taking place and we have found ourselves within and how we can begin to really discern truth from lies going forward. Um, Right before we get into that, uh, I just want to highlight quickly our community, Friends of the Truth, which is our private membership community of like-minded individuals. I'm talking about rational, grounded, truth seekers who come together. We offer three calls a month. Um, and it's just a really great time for anyone that's seeking a bit of reprieve um, you know, during what are quite insane times, really. Guys, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Here for the Truth podcast. This is episode 116. And today we have the return of our good friend, Hector Combo. Hector um, is an alternative writer, researcher, and thinker, and he blends and bridges many worlds and schools of thought together, including psychology, philosophy, conspiracy, occultism, and much more. Hector, so good to see you again, man. Um, What have you been up to? Thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate the introduction and the warm welcome. Um, Most of the time, I've just been uh, reviewing my thought patterns. Cool. What what conclusions have you come to? Mm. There's an implication in the medium. You know, there's the last conversation we had. I don't know if I'm rehashing the same thing, but, you know, Nietzsche said while he was using the keyboard, oh, he was using the typewriter, he was commenting on how it changes the perspective and the way he thinks and the way he talks. And for some time, I've been researching ways of thinking differently. And I noticed the implication of, you know, social media and other applications, how it changes your essence in some way without you knowing. And so I've been studying to what extent do we know how far it goes. So I've, I've been looking into that. Yeah, I think we're, I want to dive into that a little bit more, but I'm sure Joel and I can can relate, you know, especially when we take time off from these social media apps or if we take time off from technology, I notice a direct correlation with, you know, how I feel about myself how I feel about the world, how I interact with my own thoughts, how I interact with my wife. Um, it's really noticeable. Uh, and so why tech, while technology is an amazing tool, uh, I think it's important, however we can, to not allow it to control us in the way that it does. Because, you know, I'll be the first one to say that, you know, I'm on my devices probably more than I would like. Um, but um, definitely taking, you know, taking some steps towards alleviating that. And for today's conversation, I'll be wearing a cybersecurity information technology hat or, you know, a little, little brain cap, because to what extent are we not noticing what it, the, the nefarious influence? Because most of the time, you know, right now we're on the cusp of the Restrict Act and on the alleyways of politics, people look at the very now. Well, we know that TikTok is a competing network, a competing algorithm. And, you know, in the political game, it's easier to say, well, this person or this network or this country is spying on us instead of like looking at the industrial scale and scope 
of how nefarious the system is. And ultimately, what I refer to the internet, I call it the cyber domain. That's what Benjamin Netanyahu and others speak of. That's the new power. And in the Restrict Act, it's saying that all aspects of technologies, cars, vehicles, and all that are going to be accessible to the, to the government. And your privacy is going to be relegated as a legacy belief. Why this is important is it's a turning point. If you remember the beginning stages of the internet, it, it, very few people glued themselves into it. But those who were avid and gluing themselves to the screen wanted to get information. It was valuable. And there's a recurring phenomena as if you go into the Google search, most of the entries are not necessarily factual. So you'll say, uh, here for the truth podcast on Google. You Google that and it'll give you supposedly 40 million results. You keep going to the third or fourth or fifth page. Well, it's not actually 40 million results. It's a couple of hundred here and a hundred there. Now, some people refer to this as the quote unquote dead internet theory, but it misses the point. It's a, it's a larger scale and scope. And if you guys remember the 2000, uh, the previous election, and then before that, uh, Obama's presidency, there was a big issue with anonymous commentators and in, in general, keeping the consensus of the narrative whole. If a country or a nation, a network society is not in accordance with the ideas of the state-dependent state dependent connectivity, in other words, if the government you need the government to have the information technology infrastructure. You can't do that away without that. In 1994, the Telecommunication Act ensured that there will be backdoor access to through all telecommunications. That was various generations before, before now. And even before then, there were different echelons of development from colleges, universities, military, intelligence, who were really intending of creating a network society a network of computers, network of people. And psychologically speaking, today, it's just a reflection of the people, the demographics, the culture, and their time and place. It sounds kind of vague, but I've been researching and reading this and writing out much more into this. And in a metaphor, society has turned into the self-checkout at Walmart. Or if you could imagine a self-checkout, what it is, right? You yourself are being surveilled every step of the way, and you are tasked with a chore, something you need to check out on your own. But then there is an active human agent who's telling you, hey, you didn't scan this correctly. That's the externalization of what's happening today. I like to call that automated manipulation. When we're dealing with anything such as conspiracy, or we, we're talking about tracking your information, most of the time, you could be histrionic and say, well, that sounds like targeted individuals. Yes, to, to, to a large extent, we're all targeted individuals, but the way it functions is not necessarily some secret agent. Yes, that is part of the, the game. But the major part that has been a turning point, 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018, the military, the government has put millions, billions of dollars into researching with mathematical models how to subvert your social network, your social graph. The restrict access, you know, act, you know, it's supposedly supposed to help you secure your privacy, but they're really just co-opting your freedom. What it's doing, it is limiting your options and only a certain amount of websites that are pre-approved by the state 
you will be able to access Facebook and others, right? Now, you would imagine, well, okay, so we all know that the government spies on us, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, et cetera, and so on. But do we really know what the big picture is? If we imagine that it's just, well, there's a competing network. If you look at the algorithm from TikTok, it's much more fluid, more sophisticated. It reflects what you want to see, unlike the one on Facebook. And so a person would say, okay, well, this is the better alternative, missing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that we that the security environment is no longer geographical. It's a bland reality of the internet. And that is the cyber domain to track it back down. Most of these manipulation is conducted through social management systems. Billions of people surveilled in real time with high level applications and with military intelligence, sometimes you'll have a person in a uniform actually tracking your digital profile. That does happen. But this is much more automated, which makes it more disastrous. It seems to me, Hector, just as the, you know, someone who believes he's somewhat connected to his intuition, that something dramatically shifted in the last few months alone. Like there seems to be this crazy ramping up um, on, 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 on these fronts in terms of the cyber domain, information warfare. Seems as though AI is flooding into public hands so much quicker than anything I could have imagined just in this last two, three month period. Can you speak into that at all? Most definitely, yes. I think the effect is a mediated existence, a mediated reality. If you imagine we had a, a, a person, an average individual, their reality is mediated through third-party applications, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, so on and so forth. Well, their intuition becomes almost irrecognizable from their own voice or the outside voice of artificial intelligence. What people imagine artificial intelligence is not necessarily aware as we imagine it to be. I recommend uh, a book named uh, The New Age of Intelligence, but if not, follow into my articles. A lot of the source information is there. The point of it is heuristic algorithms or the way that artificial intelligence actually functions is a statistical analysis, a bird's eye view. In a way, it's almost like an intuition that it lacks context. There's human intuition that lacks context. and You just know, you just have that feeling. Well, with Big data and AI, it has all the probable data that is statistically likely to be true. So 100 million people did this. It is statistically likely that this is going to happen. So that becomes an intuition of the artificial intelligence, quote unquote, intuition, the way of it learns. And it's not through a scientific approach. It's not the scientific method of verify, you know, every step you verify. No, it doesn't work that way. A good metaphor to talk like make more sense of it. It's like Rene Descartes' demon, the idea or the the experiment of what if my reality is not what it is? What if my reality is actually completely different? So these last couple of months is we've been talking in general, the conversation has been about chat GPT and other items like that. But one aspect that is failing in most people's mind, and I don't say failure as in they, they don't understand it, it's just that it eludes them because the implication of the cyber domain and the implication, the point of it, we don't know that our dreams are being impacted. If you think about the ubiquitous assimilation of images, what what it what is images? It, it's an impactful 
mode of learning where your nervous system is literally, it cannot question it. If you see an image, and I think Wittgenstein said this, an image is a fact. You look at it and it's just, that's it. It imp- impacts you. The same thing with, with a cyber domain. You, you're, you're drowned in images and imagery that it creates this persona. And your dreams might be subverted. Your, your mind is subverted. Your influence is conducted to the most powerful will of others. And yeah, it, it's been much more of an awareness. But my concern is not that there hasn't been an awareness. It's just how long have we been unaware? Because I am functioning now as if the singularity is here now for like a couple of years. And I, I think we're only seeing the commercial technology right now. We're not seeing the actual real stuff that they might possibly have. Where, where do you see, I mean, I guess we can talk about this later, but I just feel like bringing it up now. Like, where do you see this going? Well, yes, it's, um, this is my personal opinion. Based on my research, mm-hmm. conclusion might be different for you guys. If you think of what divination is, divination, you can have a pencil on the paper and you can intuitively or, you know, channel, however people want to describe that. Well, what is a computer? But an, it's a, it's a silicon-based device running with electricity and is creating all these different modes of images and experiences. So it's, it's real. It's real in a very real sense. In my opinion, and some other commentators have talked about this, metaphorically, I see artificial intelligence as a demon, but in the philosophical sense, where we're going to be entering a post-human existence, where it's not that reality is going to stop. It's not that human, humanity is going to end. It's just we're not going to have a history. We're not going to be capable of understanding these computers any longer. And we're going to be relegated to a client society where the artificial intelligence is going to mediate every step of the way, which comes with zero trust protocols. Every step of the way will be externalized. You're going to be automated in a centralized fashion. And that's where this is really headed or is today now. Yeah. You know, you um, in one of your articles, I think it's towards the end of uh, your most recent one, you you say this, to remain free in this paradigm of control, one must let go of their addiction to the spectacle, outgrow ideological bubbles, and reconnect with reality outside of the matrix. So what does that look like? Okay, in general, how often, uh, I want to use an example, and this is part of like the mimicry of learning, if uh, the social dynamics of the network Imagine that these network computer operations, what people call PSYOPs, false flags, the military names it as networked computer operations, internet, interactive internet activities. And in that fashion, you're going to be thinking that your participation or because you're being elicited or you're being censored or you're being surveilled, the counter position is, well, I'm spreading the truth. Therefore, it is verifiably true because the opposition by synthesis or by dialectical materialism it, it, it creates that idea that, oh, well, they're censoring me. I must be correct. Well, actually, no, it's, it's much more multidimensional than that because they understand your psychological profile. And if they need to power you up or they boost up your algorithmic uh, metrics, they will. It's not about politics. It's about business. And the general idea of how do you break away from your bubble? How do you get away from that? Well, remember that in the COVID pandemic, the main button of conspiracyology or conspir- uh, conspiracy theories here was that the world was about to end. People are going to suffer. Millions of people are going to die, which is true to some extent. 
But if you ramp up that narrative, then you 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 crack the consensus. If if you push or dial up someone's opinion, you need to temper it with reflexivity, understanding that hey, possibly I am seeing this in the screen as a reflection of me, and because others may be participating in the same spectacle, that does not necessarily mean it's true. What I've been doing to counteract that is localizing my experience and putting myself in uncomfortable situations and creating a conspiracy within where, where I'm at. By localizing my experience, I, I'm not saying that you should not have online friends. You shouldn't conduct. No, I think the more the merrier, as long as they're authentic. But if you localize your experience, you're essentially basing a stake on your geographical reality. And the next step is the internet is going to be invading or the military industrial complex with the aid of the internet is going to be invading the material physical world and externalizing the internet into geofencing technology. So I would say, act, you know, not to be afraid or anything like that, but stake your claim where you are and connect with people outside of your own algorithmic social network. That would be a good idea just to start. So you mean like actually meeting people in the flesh as opposed to just connecting with people on right. online? In but there's one, a deeper sense. There's a deeper sense because if you talk to, I mean, I, I've, I've traveled to different communities. Sometimes they will, you know, there's the, the pure Scotsman phenomenon. Uh, well, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, or you, you have a lot of bad vibes, you're not part of the tribe. Well, that's a reaffirmation. And it's, it's almost like it reaffirms a fallacy. It, it, yeah, of course, you want to meet people and talk to people and engage with them. But what about putting yourself in uncomfortable positions where you would lack the knowledge, you lack the whole roadmap, and you guide yourself by your intuition? That is the main battle here. The statistical analysis or the intuitive, quote unquote, knowledge of the artificial intelligence against your own self-actualization and intuitive drive. And, and it's a difficult, and I cannot plan it out for most people, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to make an effort to go outside, get onto these venues, whether it's a poetry slam or a comedy routine. Imagine me doing some comedy. <laughs> Stupid. But the idea is you get real-time feedback that is not mediated by a third-party algorithm that is manufacturing consent or destroying or cracking your psyche. I, I think it's something to consider. I, I totally hear you, man. I mean, I think, you know, this is going to be death by convenience, but just on a level that we haven't seen before. Yes, yes. And it's, it almost, in a way, one, one has to reconsider what technology is. Because if we think about what technology is, it's not like, let's go back to the cave. But what is technology but an extension of ourselves, an extension of our being? And now we're so married into it, we're so close to the mirror that we can't recognize that it is us. And so now it's in a way externalizing and we're creating life. And um, many of the futurists and the alternative thinkers and researchers in the 1990s were talking about this, that the internet is going to get to such an ex expansion of the mind and the psyche, the imagination of, of, of humanity, that we're going to be living hundreds of lifetimes because seconds, minutes, and hours will be like every experience and will be dialed up and that's that's what the nirvana people or the utopia people think that we're nearing that. And, and you talk to the transhumanists and they say, well, we're going to have immortality 2030. We're going to have immortality 2040, 2050. 
that's the tragedy. That it's it's not that necessarily that there's going to be a technological revolution that's going to fix our problems. It's that the more technological revolution, what is the literal term of a revolution? Begins to the begin where it, it begins where it ended and ends where it begins, vice versa. That's the issue that the convenience is no longer necessary for us. When I, I use the keyword or I use the term interactive internet activities, even if it isn't political, the phenomena of Pokemon Go, the phenomena of other blended reality games, you will imagine I'm playing a fun game, but in reality, somebody's playing a game on you. And that's what a Yuval Harari said. Well, the, the huma- humans, they're no longer relevant. They're no longer important. We're going to entertain them with pornography and video games. And we're going to be, in a way, a babysitter of the artificial intelligence because that's the new thing now. Say, hey, artificial intelligence is not going to take over your job. Uh, don't be silly. What you're going to be doing is going to help the artificial intelligence be better because yep. going back to the same example, if you go to self-checkout at Walmart or other places, you imagine, oh, I'm making this system better. Better for who? Better for what? Towards what end? That's the that's the big question here. Because it's not going to benefit us as we imagine. But there are competing models that potentially, the Pandora's box is already open. It's not going back. But there are decentralized, open source, artificial intelligent blockchain networks that potentially could be better for humanity. But I, I cannot, I cannot conclude that. I just imagine. What we're unleashing is the unconscious forces of humanity. And that's going to be a powerful nightmare. So if someone were to ask you, Hector, are are there any good things uh, regarding AI or chat GPT? Like, what would you say? Yeah, definitely. There's some good things. You can learn many things from it. The problem with it, again, is how far can you learn? because it's censored in real time. And this is not the only model that it has un- unfolded in reality. There's many other models where people interact with it and engage with it. And it the sophistication grows, but l- when it's not controlled, when it's controlled, it's limited. It reaffirms. There was a case of, I think it was in Denmark, uh, I forget, but just in general, the case was that a person was concerned with the environment. So they asked, they asked the artificial intelligent chat GPT, what is the benefit of euthanasia or what he should do to preserve the environment? And the artificial intelligence said, you should commit suicide for the environment. The problem is that these models, we imagine them to be open source or we imagine them to be neutral, but even algorithms have an implicit bias. And it's one of those radical conversations people don't talk about because it's a little bit everywhere. But yeah, it's good. Short term, long term, I don't think so. Do you think like, because um, I've been sensing this for a while, particularly since 2020, that I feel as though the AI has a large input in terms of the news cycle and yes. in terms of the news stories themselves that are presented day in and day out. Yes, that's called the human terrain. So the human terrain being like the ecosystem of opinions, ideas in a network society. And these graph models, they understand well, you know, Hector posts about conspiracies all the time, or Hector does this, right? Well, how can we engineer the situation in which Hector is just put in an isolation chamber and let things continue on unchecked, right? And then on, eventually people will find out about my personal, I don't know, information or idea, right? 
And then that time that elapsed, it's almost like the momentum has already slipped. And it's almost like the, the ideas that I'm positing or anyone become less relevant because everything is happening in real time. The, the, the irony of it is that we're now digital nomads. We no longer try to cultivate information. We're just in a digital scarce environment and looking at the latest thing. What artificial intelligence is doing is actually mapping out all these things that are actively happening with participants. And they're figuring out, or the artificial intelligence already knows through heuristics, what is the best way to circumvent, hijack, uh, rack consensus and different items. I think in 2012 or 2014, they had a manual about how to do those things. And that manual now is essentially the playbook of the artificial intelligence. So yeah, it, it, dude, uh, dude, robots have been working out the headlines for years. Mm. That was like an old headline, 2016, 2014, how about uh, computers or just AI were creating headlines or creating articles, creating music. And you know that's, that's the unfortunate part now. We're observing the spectacle, but we're still asked to dance to the tune of the madman. That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, like, in terms of like, do you feel as though there is going to be, or there has been, a power shift take place in terms of you know the the, the propagandists over to AI in terms of the architects of control forcing their narrative, forcing their agenda? Do you feel like there's a, a the locus of power is going to shift into the hands of artificial intelligence, or maybe it already has? There's bigger demons and lesser demons. And just metaphorically, of course, the, the more data, the better. The more sensible data that you have, the more powerful your network is. Remember that the internet is now really a security environment. And in the human terrain or the, the, the landscape of opinions, imagination, subjective experience, all these different subversive groups that are atta attached to the old money and intelligence groups and military agencies, they're all racing to create bigger troughs of data. The more data that you have, the better it is. But the reasoning behind that is because it feeds the artificial intelligence. The more big data the AI has, the more powerful it becomes. I'm, sus I'm suspect about that because in general, there are some people in Jewish traditions, like in, I think Kabbalah talks about it, how these are actual entities. And this is a recurring phenomenon where they're bringing about an ungodly or godly intelligence that is unrecognizable to humanity. And I think that's what some computer engineers are actually talking about. How it's like, well, you know, we're not actually creating, you know, demons or anything. We're creating God. That's the hope. That's the hubris of what they're speaking. They, they literally are approaching a zenith point of ego. And they're saying, yeah, we're creating this. And if they're projecting that type of level of animosity or an intensity into the implicit bias of the algorithm, it might as well be in control of everything because these people may not even understand how far the moral implications of what they're doing, kind of like mm -hmm. the hydrogen bomb and the nuclear bomb yeah. and all this. Hector, you write a lot about information warfare. Um, what are the differences, and I know we're talking about some of it now, but it's more specifically of how that was conducted, you know, decades ago versus now. Definitely. I'm glad that you asked that question. Well, 
in the past, they knew about the hypnotic powers of 1946. In 1946, they knew the hypnotic powers of television. In 1900s, 1920s, they knew about hypnosis and how powerful it was. In Central Europe, actually, they, they had an extensive occult history with hypnotic powers and just, you know, cult gurus. So that is an established evidence that has already been talked about. The difference from before, let's, let's, let's really contextualize it. Well, you would have a central body or a government entity that was officiated to give you propaganda, the old school world war propaganda, you know, pay your taxes so that we can beat Hitler. That's a one way street. So you, the populace will be saying to themselves, I recognize the lie. It's coming from you. Of course, I, I'm not going to believe it. The difference for today is very different. It's a two way street. Now the key word is interactive internet activities. You yourself have to participate in it, not because someone's telling you, because that is what you naturally do already, which makes it much more elusive for you to realize that you're being manipulated. If you're left to your own devices and you think that you are exercising free will in the cyber domain, that's the difference from the past, because at least you could remove yourself and say, no, that's a governmental authority that no longer has any power or sway. Now, the floodgates have opened where we have transnational corporations and others, secret intelligence and even open intelligence who are mining Facebook and others. They call it open intelligence. That's the key word, open intelligence. We are creating the information that is going to be used against us. That's the main critical difference. Interactive internet activities. You would imagine, okay, well, and I'm not trying to lambast anyone, so I'm not going to say names. I'm just example okay, this person is telling me the truth and he seems to be well hit off and his numbers are going up. He's, he's, he's just, he's getting censored. He must be the one telling me the truth. That usually happens to everyone. But when they start getting dialed up, that's when they're asking you or begging for your attention or giving you a, a cue. Hey, you know, this is the unapproved information. Come on down over here. And you flood into it. And then eventually they start moving the goalposts. If you notice, a lot of these established podcasts and shows bring in a lot of hot heat, radical ideas. And then it's like, you know what? The government is not really that bad if you really think about it. You know, they have to break a couple of legs to make an omelet. And that's the reasoning that could poison more than just your psyche, but your very, very essence. How do people get signed on to these disastrous wars and all these other issues. Well, they believe that they're actually doing something. They believe that they're going to help someone. That's the issue. And old school false flags and psychological operations, they were very sophisticated. Now the technology is replicating without any human input. It's automated. Like the, At the top level it is. Yeah. Like if you just think about like um, these deep fakes that we're seeing now, even some of like the the hyper real recreations of like famous you know, celebrities and circumstances and photos and events, um, like I can't possibly begin to fathom how difficult it's going to be in the future to discern what is actual, what has actually taken place in reality, and what is purely manufactured to you know to, to push an agenda. Like people are already struggling with it. Um, I see it happen online a lot. And it's like, even if I just think about that from the perspective of, of the artist, you know, like they're going to be able to be able to recreate music forever. There's going to be no, not even a closure to an artistic piece of art or a musician's career 
or, you know, it's like they're going to be able to have all the data they require to make albums ongoing forever. It's like, but that's, that to me, that's, that's, that's worrisome. You know, there's so much quality that's going to be lost in that, um, in, in that as well. It's, this is unknown territory. Like, obviously we're all just navigating this now in real time for the first time. Um, and I don't know the answers, but there's definitely a lot to consider. Definitely. In this conversation, uh, I, ins- I feel inspired that it will actually elicit some form of solutions for people. I mean, they themselves can hear this conversation and come to their own conclusion of how they're going to navigate this. One thing that I understand is try to go against societal expectation because all these institutional components of society are subverted to go against you. Banks, governments, so on and so forth, even public and local institutions. That's that's the issue here. And with creativity, it's almost like our mind and our attention and our imagination is being impacted. Some people say colonized, but that's really one way to say they're dominating your whole time and attention. That's the problem. Would you really like to know the truth? If in a post-truth world, it's not that the truth is not important, but it's not going to change your life. Would you actually care to know? Would it be relevant to you? If, if you have this whole technological apparatus that can try to offset the consequences or effects of causal reality, then why would you want to know the truth? That's, that's some people's opinion on that. And that's awful. But you know, your body will actually feel it. That's, that's the sad thing. Yeah. Man. It's just, it's, but, I, like, I'm, I'm not the most like tech savvy person. So, 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 so much of this just kind of blows my mind, you know, at least even just reading your articles and seeing how things are evolving. And I just, uh, I'm curious to see how things are going to unfold. I mean, even as just as, you know, artificial intelligence, I guess, becomes more quote unquote conscious and people have way more ability to um to to develop friendships and relationships and be intimate with these machines and we know that we're already currently plagued with an epidemic of low self-esteem and self-hatred um and we're seeing like you mentioned that news article where this this man has now committed suicide because an ai convinced him that his carbon footprint was too much to handle like the yeah I mean, I don't want this whole podcast for anyone listening to be just, you know, a doom and gloom, you know. Oh, no, I got solutions, but I got to I got to tell the big, big you know, (laughs) well, yeah, (laughs) you have to talk about you have to talk about the the solutions, you know, because people can be pessimistic. And, you know, Joel shared this quote with me and I ended up reading it in your article, but it was like pessimism towards the future of the environment and the economy is the status quo of today. It just feels like that's where we're going. That's where people are at. They're they're in this pessimistic state, whether it's coming from the mainstream, whether it's coming from the alternative communities out there. It's just this overriding, just like the world is fucked, you know? And I know it's one thing that Joel and I really try to do with our work and our coaching and, and really just empower individuals to realize that they can take control of their life and their situation as best as they can when they have a foundation of empowering philosophies and they take action and there's congruence again between mind, emotion, and the action you're taking in your life. And so, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, but you also don't want to stick your head in the sand uh, and and not be aware of what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about solutions, sure. Yes, let's 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 put some positivity in here. I grew my ponytail, so now I'm 
totally the tribe and vibing out here. There you go. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of crystals going on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, though, really, if you think about like positive solutions, so if, I'm not saying don't use your computer, don't use your phone. I'm saying think about it in a different way. If you imagine something like if you, in occult traditions, like you could have like a stick or whatever it is, as simple as it is, right? It creating a relationship or an association with that particular type of item or object, it's it's a information exchange, even with people, with items, ideas, the reality's imagination in some very real sense. So if you understand the power of your own nightmares, and if you imagine like many other occultists or people who talk about religion or spirituality, is that the real power comes from them exploiting your malfunctions or your, your hangups, right? And you, and you would imagine, okay, well, if I know that, then I'll not be defeated because I can just laugh, look at the sun and breathe. And, it's, and that's fine. Now, imagine your association with all these technological devices, your phone, your app, all that. What if you were to able to tune into those devices to work for you, what you want to do with an intentionality? So that's the first step, right? You have to have an intention towards your devices, your technological associations. And at the same time, understanding there's a limitation behind that, but it is part of this new party that we're having. When you realize that, you can metamorphosize in a way, metaphorically, I would say, the big battlefield, okay, this is a weird thing for me to say, but I'm going to just go ahead and say it. The big battlefield is in the dream landscape. It's in your mind's eye. It's in your imagination. Once you're able to do that, you'll intuitively know what the next step is. AI intuition is not like human intuition. Human intuition is the ultimate weapon against this. It's not reading a million articles. It's not getting the latest YouTube, which is part of, part of it. You can learn about that. That's part of it. But Fashion your intuition to such a sharp extent that you just know and feel and whatever comes your way, you're battling that, you're battling it out in that quantum entanglement at that level where you know that something is invading your space. You just feel it. You don't deny that and you go on with it. There's um, some people talk about it. Uh, I haven't heard many people talk about it, but the idea of techno shamanism and it's the idea of techno shamanism is. This is a natural phenomenon, um, computers and all that. It's, it's not alien. It's part of human existence. What if through that portal and through that way of being, we can also receive messages? There's this case of, if you guys, I know, I know you guys understand synchronicity. Of course, you guys understand that. There's this case of Terry Davis and other people who've experimented with coding their own operating system. And who've been actually a cost. This is a long story from short, but it's just part of the example mm -hmm. where because you see it in the cyber domain, there might be a numerology or synchronicity that could be an actual real message from an actual entity or an actual form of thought or energy. And that is a beautiful aspect of this reality because it's, it, the battlefield is not just evildoers going along and taking over your mind. The battlefield is understanding that good and evil is a perennial aspect of this. And if you love yourself, you should not fear for tomorrow. And if you're present for today, then you've already conquered today. And that's the biggest victory. The worst thing that they can do to you is use your nightmares against you. That's the beauty of it. I, I, it's the simplicity. And I, I love it. When you say nightmares in that context, can you expand on that? Mm -hmm. Okay. I understand that 
maybe in general, people have a difference of opinion. So I'm trying to use neutral language. Mm. If we talk about the unconscious archetypes and the phylogenetic trauma and all these other aspects of that, right? We already know that it manifests in our mind and our experience and all that. Well, in 1970s, the technocrats like Henry Kissinger and others, Sabrina Businski, were actually thinking about uh, digital surveillance, a profile of you at a daily basis. They actually have quotes of them talking about this. They switch the way that they manage society from a utopian or a hope-driven socialist way of reality, right? They would say to the population, you know, if we all get together and vote, things will get better. Now, in the 1970s, when the economic collapse was happening and all these recessions and wars, well, Henry Kissinger and Associates decided to use our own fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the stranger, fear of the economy, all that, to power the actual state. And they unleashed the floodgates because they, in essence, reduced everything that was of essence of philosophy and spiritual to power, power of physicality, power of fear, and creating such an obtuse political environment that we don't even understand that we are in a gulag of our own nightmares. But you want me to define nightmares. Okay, what is what is the most frightful thing that has ever happened to you? And if that thing is still, you're still obsessed with that thing, then I can use that to dial up whatever it is. And even con men can do this. When, when you're analyzing a person, you can understand, oh, that person carries a lot of stress on their shoulders. But maybe, maybe if I give him a little push, is I'm using or exploiting the own in impotence or the lack of energy that is not moving and just staying there and powering it to use it against you. It, it's, it's a left-hand path approach. But in politics, the power of nightmares is essentially crying wolf and letting people believe it and then using that and creating a bigger demon, a bigger monster, a bigger problem. I hope that explains it, Mr. It, do, it, it does, man. And it just you know, continues to highlight to me that, you know, sincere shadow work is the answer and it's the path forward. The more that we can grapple with our own demons um, and face our own shadows and integrate, you know, our own fears and even like allow ourselves to, you know, consciously, consciously play out our worst fears taking place, then we're no longer dependent um, on, on those strings being pulled against us. Um, you know, but I don't think we really live in a society that enjoys sincere shadow work. Create no. a society, create a society. Yeah. What you guys are doing, you guys are doing that. Over yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we're doing our part and I love that you said that Joel, cause it's, it's so key. And I can only speak in terms of my personal life is that when I have sh- uh, shined a light on these aspects of myself that maybe a part of me doesn't want to pay attention to or ignore, um, it, I, I just bring more compassion to myself. And even just the example of if you can be in touch with, if you know that part of you that can be shady, that can lie, that can cheat, that can steal, all of that, then you're more likely to see it externally and witness it when someone is trying to do that to you. So it doesn't mean you have to become that aspect of you, but just knowing that, you know, and I say this often, like the great Walt Whitman quote, we contain multitudes. We have many different aspects of us. And so if we can play the tune or be aware of all the different ex- uh, instruments that exist within us, you know, let's use that analogy as the psyche, you know, uh, I'm the conductor of my inner orchestra of different qualities. 
But if I have more access to these parts of me, I no longer need to project them externally. And I have more awareness to see and witness behaviors that, you know, may be more quote unquote evil because I've dove deep and I've recognized these aspects of self that could be considered evil in that sense. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. Of course. I've rediscovered this Jung quote the other day. We are so full of apprehensions, fears, that we don't know exactly to what it points. A great change of our psychological attitude is imminent. That is certain because we need more understanding of human nature because the only real danger that exists is man himself. And we know nothing of man. His psyche should be studied because we are the origin of all coming evil. Just a quick interruption to give a shout out to some members of Friends of the Truth, our membership community. Uh, Shout out to Zara. Melissa, Rebecca, Kyle, Tim, uh, we really appreciate you. Thanks so much for the support uh, and for who you are. Back to the episode. And who created this, who's, who's perpetuating this, us. And it's not that we can externalize fault to the technocrats or to the powers that shouldn't be. We are participating in this and we're creating this. And after we do our shadow work, let's not be foolish and get into the boxing ring. Get into the boxing ring. And the boxing mm-hmm. ring is not your friends that agree with you. And yeah. it's it's actually being out in the world and whatever that is, cyber or physical, and putting yourself in that uncomfortable position of like, okay, let me let me hear your tribe. Where is that coming from? Or like being respectful. I'm, I'm just trying to be funny here, but just being respectful. It's like, okay, let me follow along with your thought process and see if I can let go of my own bias and follow through with that. Yeah. And even just doing that connection, it helps people see the fault in their ways once you start personalizing it. Yeah, but even, you know, a person can do that just by scrolling down on their Facebook feed and and being faced with ideas that challenge their beliefs. Because, I mean, I don't think I'm just being shown just the things that I want that align with me. Very often I, I, I see things from people in my past and let's say they have different views on things and and I I can notice that part of me that wants to kind of not be connected and dismiss it and be like, oh, 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 I'm so much better. Oh, they're such idiots, you know, but really can I take a moment? And again, I do that. I do that at times, but there's times where I don't and I go, huh, let me, let me see if I can tap into that part of me. How can I empathize and go, what would bring a person to, to believe this uh, and to advocate for this? Um, and it's an interesting dance internally, you know, it's something I want to do more of because I, over the last few years, the world has been so polarized and I've had some amazing reconciliations with, you know, friends of mine where, you know, we didn't see eye to eye and things, but I think the way we were judging the other person was coming from this very surface level place because we were influenced by, again, these algorithms and by technology and by media um, and so, you know, to, to be able to kind of just like drop in with some compassion and understanding and not get so stuck in this polarization, it's helped, you know, it's helped kind of heal fractured relationships. Now it takes a lot of times it takes two to tango in that regard two people that are open and willing to, to recognize how they were influenced by these interactive internet activities that were going on, you know, this new stage and this new age of information warfare that has been going on, especially when you have this major event, an event that we have never seen before that has impacted so many people like the events of 2020. And it, you know, it takes a lot of uh, reflection 
um, and learning on one's part. So uh, again, highlighting the silver lining, I'm so grateful for the events of the last few years for a whole host of reasons, but also because I look back to the iteration of me in 2020 and 2021 and how I was interacting to how I interact now, even with, with hindsight of the events of those years. And it's interesting to see the growth and the evolution. Um, so I, 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 getting out of this divide and conquer game that's been going on for so long and um, trying to create connection in some form with maybe people that don't agree with us 100%, I think is really, really important. And I think that's one step forward um, in it's, terms it's, of how... It's it's a great intellectual exercise as well. And it's an exercise that many people aren't really you know willing to, 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 to do right now because obviously it takes effort. It takes a little bit of mental gymnastics to hear someone else and to actually respond thoughtfully, you know? And not just completely um, shut them down. Um, and uh, you know, the thing is, the way that in which we interact on the internet and the way in which we respond as well, it really comes from our own sense of self empowerment. So, like, what are what are what what's what what are the other things? What's the foundation of your life built upon? What are the other things that you are engaging in and growing and and evolving? What's the great work of art of your life? What's the arc and trajectory of your hero's journey? Because all that also determines how we're able to be manipulated by these technologies and also the 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 state of being that we come from when we respond to others too. So I think, you know, this 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 technological push, this whole AI push, this wants to become the dominant force in all our lives beyond anything else. But I think if we can keep it in the in 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 the in so more so in the foreground, but still have our background in terms of building our own self-esteem through building business, through being creative, through building amazing community, through, you know, through building really strong friendships. And that becomes kind of the more so the play area. Then we put ourselves at a distance in terms of how how easy we're gonna merge with 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 that technol with that technological world, so so to speak. That was a little bit of a mumbo jumbo, but hopefully it made sense. Made perfect sense, Joel. You have a good way with words, man. And the follow a part with that is I know you guys know this and I'm just reminding the audience this is a marathon this is not yeah. you know we're going to get to the goal line here no this is a marathon which is a good thing and a bad thing in some ways the previous example I was saying well they can dial you down dial you up they might not give you all the information you want or give you the information that makes you seethe but think about it in this way intuitively we exist in different levels of time and uh, not to get too metaphorical with it, if you imagine that five years ago, all this information, no one really appreciated, or if you did, they sort of kind of teased themselves into now. Yeah. Now the marathon is like, we have so many people who are aware and involved and have like the foundational beliefs of, yeah, the government is lying. Yeah, these this is sophisticated stuff. I don't want to do any of it. I'm even hearing my own mother telling me these things. And that's the one beautiful thing. This is a marathon. It's like, you know, that's where you get the truth. And it's like, okay, now, now I'm seeing that it's not all doom and gloom. That's, that's the big hack here. It's the big life hack. The doom and gloom is purposefully dialed up so that you feel incompetent and impotent in doing anything. If you look at the psychological profile of these mafiosi or these technocrats, that's how they function. They make you believe that you're lesser than, 
while at the same time subverting your own free will so that you can continue building up their systems. They still need us, guys. They're not going to kill all of us. They still need us. Why? Who's going to build the next infrastructure of the 2030 ESG, to, I know, like buttons that they want? Who's going to create? Who's going to help the AI? Who's going to help it's us? And that is where we put our monkey wrench. Once we are actually intending to be free and we understand that we love in some ways to be in the matrix because of some XYZ reason, you can understand that we are in critical positions to subvert Agent Smith because we are hybrids as well. We wear many hats. Sometimes we are a brother or sister or the employee at the corporation. That's the beauty of it. That's why they did COVID because they were sending the message to the technocratic managers, you better get your stuff together or else you're going to be on your way out. And that, for me, that was one of the impacts of it. But that's why they were booting up all these AI surveillance grids to watch us at every step of the way. But really, their agenda is not going so well. Because if one example of that is the, the green cars, they're not doing so well. The... <laughs> employers, what they're doing now is they're surveilling their employees and they're thinking, oh, there's going to be more productivity. It's like, no, it creates distrust. It creates quiet quitting. People are catching on. They don't have to know all these big fancy words, but they're catching on. Yeah. That's, that's the awesome part. Yeah. Um, what are the ways in which like you believe the narrative within the quote unquote truth and freedom movements is controlled because i'm seeing like a bit of a lot of individuals with large audiences it seems as though they just thrive on the fatalistic content to continually drive a cycle for their own audience i'm not going to name names i'm only going to give you the pattern because that's more important because you yeah, name names and people think oh my god no that's my hero <laughs> yeah the the there's an actual connection <laughs> You know me, I, I just live doom and gloom. Every single post, everything I say on every podcast episode is that you have no power. The end is near. <laughs> wow, you sound like a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that's a real thing. And, you know, I started this journey, I keep saying 10 years ago, so I don't even know, man, but I've been in this for a while. And these communities actually function in that. And you have to get the psychological profile first. There's this one individual who runs this particular type and what he does and in his background, he's actually been found out to be a, a, a fraudster and a scammer, but people don't go into his personal life anymore. So he moves on to the next thing. They'll say dollar collapse and everybody be like, OK, great. The dollar is going to collapse because my ideology is going to come out after next. You know, after the government falls, everybody's going to have anarchy, guys. Obviously, duh. Right. And then that in itself is a business model. The power of nightmares is really easy to capitalize because that function not only gives you an audience, but if you tell someone the power is within yourself, you're going to have to be responsible. The world's not going to end, but you need to do your work and be professional about it. Well, you're putting the responsibility on somebody and you have to also understand the social dynamics. A lot of these individuals understand how it works, the mimicry. Once you have the setup, the, the look and all of that, that attracts the audience. And if you're dealing with all these different people, they're going to put your best foot forward. And they're going to be thinking, well, this is the cutting edge. This is what we're actually doing as the major solution. I don't want to sound like an an a-hole, but these people are connected to military intelligence. If you 
do enough digging. Just this is a neutral character, so it's okay to say it because he's in the mainstream media. Tucker Carlson, who is his boss? Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> who does Rupert Murdoch associate with? Henry Kissinger. <laughs> like, oh my God. And there's even more than that. So not only has the military industrial complex been able to create this automated system, it actually is able to dial up these people who are already in the know and are participating in, in that and can continue saying, well, I'm offended because tranny story hour is bad. And of course, yeah, of course, if, if you're doing perverse acts in front of children, it's bad. But if you think about statistically significant impacts on society, Pornhub, as run by MindGeek, damages millions of people on a daily basis and is literally happening right before our eyes. And Visa monetizes that. That's the biggest story. But we have this other political contentious thing that drives the agenda or pushes forward. It's about pushing an ideology. That's why I say, step outside of your own ideological bubble. You're going to see some of these individuals, not that they're running a business is wrong, is that they're running a business on your nightmares. And they're happy to do that. Yeah. You make such a good point there because, you know, again, depending on, you know, where we get information, what the algorithm is showing us and and social media and the different communities we're a part of. But like there's this outroar because there are drag queens that are in, in three places, not three places, but in however many places that are highlighted that are doing something. And it becomes this big thing. And yet the the thing that's ever present in our world, pornography, that is just destroying children's lives too because people are looking at this and watching it earlier and earlier and earlier in their lives and it's just like it's just this general thing oh yeah porn is but like the outrage the the uproar isn't there for that right like i'm so sick of seeing fucking matt welch videos be shared around like this guy it's 24 7 man you know it's like people are just so stuck on this this scapegoat we're making trans are the new scapegoats right it's this yes. the new fucking scapegoat it's the new interactive internet activity that everyone gets all along with it, even in the left, even on the right. You know, you can have a, a right wing transgender. That's acceptable. <laughs> I'm not, I need to stop. But in reality, yeah, man, that's 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 the thing where you'll have these major policies or major societal issues that are typically normalized, quote unquote, or they're established as normal. And we don't question them because. We're not all in arms doing our 15 minutes of hate and like, oh my God, you know this. Yeah. And we definitely we can disagree with it. But we're, we're, let's talk about the social impact and what is significant and what is actually impacting you. And one has to act, wonder a lot of these people, here's the funny part and the irony. Once you get down to studying some of these right-leaning commentators that happen to be about military, happen to be about guns, and are somehow connected to intelligence. Well, a lot of these people have an affinity, and some are called Cherry Marines. Kay Briggs, she went in a long discussion on these psychological profiles, where a lot of these individuals who are participating as operatives actually are into that type of lifestyle. Uh, that I will leave it at that. I will recommend people look into Cake Briggs, Cherry Marines, and you will understand that the bigger picture is nothing to do with morality, nothing to do with politics. Dialing up your rage, triangulating your human behavior, and subverting, subverting demographics in real time. 
that's the real power. Yeah. It it's weird, man. It's it's weird. Yeah. It is weird, but again, back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, challenging ourselves and how can we as we interact with with these devices uh, and these social networks when the next new thing, you know, the next new psychological operation comes into play, can we have some space between the stimulus and the response? to be able to react in a way or reflect in a different way, you know, cause I, I've found myself getting caught up in, in these things. Oh my God, that's horrible. This, this, you know, transgender person, this drag queen is, is, is with kids. Now, again, it's not I- ideal in, in my opinion, but the, the percentage of what the impact that has based on all these other messed up things that have been normalized that go on, people are poisoning themselves every single day. They're eating shitty foods. They're all these things that are impacting tons and tons of people. Like, again, that just gets swept under the rug. And also, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but personally, I don't know a single school personally where there's drag queens dancing in the classroom, like of any school that I know, like in my personal life, in my personal reality. So for me to have all this outrage from a video that is shared, you know, that I don't know the percentage of schools where there's where there's drags teaching classes. Like I don't know, but I don't know any school myself personally where that's happening. No, no, and but, of course yeah. they will say, "Well, it's the culture. It's that they're they're moving the side guys of the culture towards transgenderism, and it's a big issue." And I I can understand to that level, but it's like no, it's actually the audience reaction that is formalizing that. And just in general, of course, we don't know necessarily to what extent, but what are we concerned about? You know, go when I hear a good conspiracy story or theory, I'm like, yeah, I enjoy the story, but lower my damn taxes, <laughs> protect my freedom, and all that. I try to lo- at least move the the degrees of freedom towards somewhere where I wanted to be, yeah. instead of pushing people away from whatever lifestyles they prefer. As long as they're not doing it, you know, violently or aggressing upon my freedom, I could care less. I agree. I, I understand. You know, we live in a society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I'm <laughs> sorry, man. Don't yeah. be sorry at all, bro. Like, no, I just, I just, you know, I just think about the Daily Wire. I think about like Shapiro and Peterson sitting down with Netanyahu. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. Walsh comes from that from that circle as well. Yes, and it's yes. like you're you're literally like discussing with one of the most evil human beings who's of, of yes. the modern age, and yet we're interested in the in the news that you're spouting out. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Now you have it. That, yes, you're right. Exactly. It's coincidentally. And he's been exposed by Mark Dice. It's all a business. It's all a matter. I mean, he's had a hot mic. That's the thing about these issues. Most of these activities, you know, we talk about false flags and sometimes we talk about crisis actors. Rarely do people connect transgenderists or, you know, transgender story hour with crisis actors. There's an industrial level of half been or like people who have been actors and are unemployed and are signed on to these activities. They, they have crisis events where they practice, or sometimes they say, hey, play this role and we're going to meet you there. Talking about Ben Shapiro and talking about all this industrial scale of control and manufactured consent, there is this a really good documentary on Al Jazeera. I know it's not the best, but the documentary is about Israel's method of control and it's almost like whoa this is twilight so yeah. there was a case just just to keep it really quick and simple it's a You're case good. in i think in uh, california uc berkeley i believe where there was a uh, palestinian freedom or 
free, uh, boycotting Israel for Palestinian freedom, right? And it was an organic association of students who wanted to spread freedom or awareness about the issues there. Whatever your opinion might be, the point of the story is that they were choosing to exercise their freedom of assembly, their free speech, and make boycott an actual reality from Israel, like boycotting Israel, which is a big no-no, right? Don't tell Ben Shapiro about all the billions of dollars. Don't tell him that. And the reasoning behind all that was the the, the horrendous acts that, is, that was happening. Well, there's just like the U.S. has the NSA, Israel has Unit 8200, and it's an industrial level. You'll have people who are employed at the university, who are students, who are teachers, who are committee members, and they are all in a network in a real sense, and in a social management system, they will try to get you to say silly things on camera. They will try to do a false flag, like make a swastika on on a wall and blame you. They will try to move the goalposts, and they will have the whole apparatus of the unit 8200 surveilling your information, your messages. All of that is the model that is replicated by all these countries, not just Israel. But that's the that's the real bad part here. We're we're battling a whole click, the coalition of the connected. Yeah, yeah. It's always always these conversations take place. It brings me back to to Yuri, Yuri Bezmenov. You know, he planted these seeds, man, and it's just it's on steroids. Yes, yes, it is. I think that it was such a good documentary and it's a good interview, and I. Talking about that, I really recommend as a follow-up yeah. to look into hyperreality from Adam Curtis because it's it's a, it's like a supplemental material because Yuri was talking about the general big picture and moving forward in like in a context from Russia, but the BBC documentary in Adam Curtis hyperreality it shows you that it didn't originate necessarily from communist Russia. It, it, it was almost like a global phenomenon between the East and the West. And the politics that manifested from that have completely subverted and demoralized people. So, no, I totally agree with you. It's actually, it's, it's demoralization, an active campaign of demoralization. It was such an amazing filmmaker. Um, his docuseries, The Century of the Self, had a major impact on me. And is actually, I mean, besides Yuri Bezmenov's interview with Gio Griffin, but Century of the Self is that docu-series that I recommend to many people, especially people that are more on the fence, because it's not like super conspiratorial, but at the same time, it introduces you to certain psychological principles, certain characters. It introduces people to a man that 99% of people don't even know who he is, Edward Bernays, and the impact he's had on the world and on America, especially in the 20th century. And um, and so it's a great docuseries, but I, I got to check out more of Adam Curtis's work because I, I know you've written about him more and I, I haven't seen these other um, documentaries. It's a worthwhile endeavor, but it, generally speaking, we're on a good track. I appreciate the conversation. We've, I, I think we explicated in a very good sense what is the new paradigm and what is happening in the post-human reality. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. <laughs> I, lo- I love this stuff, man. I love these conversations. It's really because again, we're we're it's in real time. We're we're experiencing it. We're experiencing it. The external world. We're it's playing on our internal world. What's our role in all this? How can we disconnect? How can we not play into it? You know, it's 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 a 
the yeah. grand dance. I mean, we, we, we're seeing like Meta, Facebook, Instagram, they recently rolled out where now anyone can get a blue check mark, anyone can be verified as long as they submit their passport or their ID and that's, and that's linked to their account now. Um, you know, and I've been feeling just a natural pull away from those platforms. I've been engaging way less and posting way less. Um, and it's interesting timing as well, you know, with the Pluto shift into Aquarius, Aquarius obviously representing, you know, technological innovation on many levels. But we're, we, I think you mentioned this phrase multiple times in the beginning, but that definitely does feel like we're at a turning point. We're not exactly sure what's around the corner yet. I feel like we're on the, you know, we're, we're feeling the G's on the bend at the moment. Um, but again, we need to return the locus of the power to the individual. You're an individual. What's taking place in your life? What's in your control? How are you living day to day? Um, cause again, it's going to be, you know, it's, all, all of this comes back to collectivism. All of this can be collectivized. All these narratives thrive on this idea that, you know, there's one outcome for, for everyone. You know, we can't, we can't get caught up in, 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 in the narrative of, you know, my fate is determined by whatever way all this goes, which is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the empowerment part, it, you have to ask yourself, does this empower me or disempower me? That's mm-hmm. the crucial question to ask yourself. Yep. And I'm not saying you should be against technology, but what I'm imagining myself as doing is establishing a network that is transgressing these obstacles. They call it smart technology, but it's not truly smart. There's ways that you can subvert, you get the ways that you can quote unquote crack, hack or whatever. And it's not so difficult anymore. And that's the issue. You know, the reasoning why they're trying to put in this legislation of restrict act is because it will make it easier for the social management systems to surveil. So Joel, what you're doing and pulling back from the Facebook matrix or other applications like that, it's, it's a good thing for, for, for the momentum of this. Because once you have your website or you have your network or your community and you have your, your, your ecosystem, it's harder for them to start surveilling you because they have to actually start getting more information and up to date. It's easier for them to keep you in a centralized location and get you from there. So it's going to be a diaspora of ideas, networks, and communities bridging the gap has to go beyond just ideological uh, alliances. We have to go and actually be real. The number one commodity that's going to be the best thing for this paradigm is authenticity, keeping it real. How are you going to know that you actually have the real thing? That's that's the really important thing. Does yep. it empower me or does this empower me? Yeah, exactly, man. And a lot of the attachment to technology, I think these days is driven by um, the whole, this whole concept of scarcity as well, you know, particularly with entrepreneurs in the online space. Like we feel like all our audience and our income can often just be dependent on, you know, being active and growing an audience on these, on these platforms. But to me, every time I observe that and I observe that pool of little bit of scarcity within myself, it's usually an indicator to me that, you know, the right path is genuinely to, to, to move through that, to, to find out other ways of, um, you know, of organically creating an audience and and driving even demand without having these platforms, which I know at the end of the day ultimately are in, are insidious, and that's kind of been my relationship with Facebook and Instagram for a long time. Is that I never really thought of it as a long game thing or as a long term thing. I always knew there would come a point in time where you know we'd have to, so to speak, set leave 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 the bay. Um, what for 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 another time into, you know, more cleaner horizons, um, so to, so to speak, like obviously. And I just, it just feels like we're there now. 
you know just feels like it's time for me on some level yeah Yeah, i i agree go ahead no i was gonna agree as well and what is interesting though especially when you have these apps on your phone that uh help you block out other apps that we're using technology to save us from technology uh, it's pretty interesting as well in, in some regards. Yeah, yeah. Erasmus and I have been experimenting with an app blocker, um, which blocks our access to these apps. Because even just the unconscious, you know, picking up the phone, open Facebook, open Instagram, like at least to prevent that step. You know, I'm sure that we we could do it without it. But I think it's, you know, it's actually a nice aid at this point in time. Right. And not I'm not being extreme here. Some people do deal with it as an addiction. And they, oh, of they, course. Need, to, they need to do that. Dude, like I'm, I've, I mentioned before, man, today the biggest addiction is dopamine. There's absolutely no doubt about it, you know, and it's it's killing us. It's you know, it's 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 emptying us of our radiance, of our life force, of of our vitality. Just these short term hits, which we're which we're addicted to, you know. And there's so much quality that's being lost from long term projects and long term thinking, and even this whole concept of of self mastery or becoming a master at anything. Like, I think there's going to be far less masters of any particular art or craft or poetry going forward because of this. But at the same time, there's also a new paradigm where there's a new level or a whole new branch of creativity that's possible if one is to interact with, you know, the the, the beneficial components of AI in a healthy way. Who knows what kind of creativity we're going to see going forward too. Right. The, um, the, the creativity or the impacts or the effects that come from the ongoing cold war between decentralized applications and yeah. centralized applications that's going to be a, a nuance for us to discover it's not necessarily a puritanical effort here but it's we know what is real within ourselves now we need to apply that to everything else our equipment our applications all of that now that they're real in a very real sense and yeah. anyway I think in general, it's. I actually don't feel kind of pessimistic. I feel pretty, pretty, pretty positive. Yeah. Actually, imagine battling yeah. out the AI in your dreams. Now that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious. They have technology where they're trying to penetrate your dreams, like Futurama. Yeah, seriously. Man. Yeah, I, I rewatched. I don't know if you've seen it, Vanilla Sky from 2001 with Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz the other day, but um, so. There's there's a there's an innovative technological company that exists in that dystopian I guess setting where um yeah vanilla sky where um uh, there's like a life enhancement so you die instead of dying at the, the moment just before your death you're cryogenically frozen and then you enter into their their dream like world or their dream state world where you can kind of choose the reality but like there's no organic death process you're living forever. And just creating your reality through your most memorable and favorite experiences, um, and it doesn't feel like that's that far away anymore. Like it just—it doesn't feel like we're that far away anymore, which is fucking crazy, right? But you know, in some real sense, they're just replicating something that is already a natural phenomenon in Mesoamerican traditions. There's a, an, a there's a meditation practice called dream bridging. So the opposite of that being like you're talking about a machine holding you captive in a limb, like a, you know, like a coma state, and then you're dreaming certain realities in your mind. Well, what if in general, you're already capable of doing that and like actually bridging your metaphysical reality with physical reality and be able to like actually, quote unquote, you want to say predict or project 
or be able to fold reality towards the path that you want to walk towards it. That's why I'm actually very excited for this epoch of humanity because there's going to be an archaic revival in more sense than <laughs> in more sense than imaginable. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Maori for some yeah, second. Yeah. I have uh, I have a I bit of like, an accent. Oh. No, I like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that though. I love when you like start saying a word and you say the second one and you combine them. It's it's like simple humor that always gets me. It was no mistake. Yeah. It was no mistake. It was on purpose. Of course. I love it. <laughs> I also want to uh, commend you. You you pronounce my name like a Greek person would, you know, Yerasimos. You know, you don't just say Yerasimos. I mean, I say Yerasimos just because it's the way I do it, but... I sometimes use the Greek pronunciation and my wife calls me Erasimos. So thank you. I've been meditating ever since our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't screw it up. <laughs> like on, on, on that note, like obviously to me, the the unhealthy psyche or the unhygienic man desperately clings to life, desperately clings to the possibility of living forever. And never having to meet his 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 death, and uh, you know, I think with what do you what do you see as the implications of that? As as technology may provide that actual opportunity, you know, in esoteric terms, uh, the internet or technology is a is a metaphorical womb. It's a return yes. to to the womb. You know, and if you think about these individuals, sometimes they are, their addiction is at a lower level of existence. They typically try to go with the material, you know, sexual drugs or food or, you know, physical exercise, whatever that might be. And in that sense, it's like they have so much frenetic energy, but they are unable to really do something with it because you're limited in this cube, in this box, in this Eternian matrix. And the return to the womb is essentially your heaven because in that state, you've always been fed. Your way has been taken care of. And it's this cozy, warm darkness. And that's unfortunate because Ray Kurzweil and others, they like to think that they're super intelligent, sophisticated and like, but it's no, it's actually, it's, it's their animus. It's their anima. They really believe that they have this ultra powerful mind that they can bridge the gap between death and life. Mm. And it, it's, a, it's a matter of readdressing the question, you know, what is life? What is death? What is reality about? And it really is in our imagination. And, and if your imagination is eternal, and you're able to like actually connect with that, there's no fear for you to go to the next stage of life. Crazy people. Well said. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, the, what's that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how do you want to wrap this up for those listening? Um, what's, what's, what's the, what's the tone of the final note that you have for us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh more, sleep yeah. more yeah. and connect. Yeah. Have a good time. Seriously. Don't take it so seriously. But in general, we're all going to have a really good time. I totally believe it. And I'm not just saying this so people can like me. I'm serious. I really think we're going to be in a good position. I don't doubt it. Yeah. When you say connect, dude, you also mean like disconnect to connect also internal and external yeah internal connect internally which means to disconnect externally and you may also want to disconnect internally to connect externally it sounds kind of like a conundrum but no no really if you can give your attention fully to the other person you're able to feel into their essence and that creates a union or a real time and space that you are alive 
So that's that's the beauty of this. So we're we're gonna get through this. It's not gonna be a problem. Just don't feel, you know, belittled by your own nightmares. Don't feel the the power of those nightmares. Let it go. Feels good, man. So great to have this conversation, man. Great to see you again. Great to see your smile and uh, just love the work that you're doing. Love the the introspection. Love the research and yeah, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. And uh, are you eating something, Erasmus? Yeah. yeah, I have a little a little piece of chocolate in my mouth. You're eating chocolate during a podcast. I don't know. I just wanted a little a little piece. Well, this is this is new. I don't know if you have noticed, but I've been sneaking a banana little by little. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have chocolate for eight years, and then I started having chocolate again several months ago. So I I just had a little chocolate. You know, I had a real full day. I was cleaning up my garage, and I just wanted a little piece of chocolate to end this conversation. Fair enough, bro. It's your, it's your show. You can eat chocolate if you want to eat chocolate. Joel, I'm surprised. You should be chugging tacos right now, like one after the other. Like, ah. El pastor. Yes. Yeah, bro. You, can't, you, you come on this side anytime soon? Yes, I actually plan to. Uh, uh, there's a family ranch in San Luis Potosí, and uh, I'm due to visit my father, too. I have to. Great. Awesome, man. Well, hit me up when you do. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Hector, such a pleasure as always. Thank you for your wisdom, your insights, and your laughter. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, because they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.